What's up, everybody? My name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new, something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Making these hits, hey, making these flips. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard, where every 25-point lead is safe. As always, I'm Sid. What's going on, Reg? Sid, what it do, bro? Everything's good, man. Today, for the first time in a long time, we got a guest with us. We got Sean here with us today. What's going on, bro? What's up, man? I'm happy to be here to talk sports with y'all. I always love talking sports with y'all. Always. Always good conversations, man. Uh, So coming off conference championship weekend, we're going to start with the first game of the weekend, which was the AFC conference championship uh, that featured the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and outside of the odd New Orleans Saints bingo fans, mm-hmm. um, outside of those guys, I didn't see too many people, uh, clamoring for Cincinnati to win this game. Um, but they, they got to overtime and squeaked out a 27 to 24 victory. Uh, Reg, man, what did you, what did you take from this game? Man, I had the Chiefs winning this game no matter what. Not going to even lie. I didn't see no way possible um, that the Bengals could uh, defeat the Chiefs. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan on um, on guys that's been there and done that before. And that's definitely the Chiefs been in a bunch of AFC Conference uh, championships since Andy Reid and Mahomes got together. Um, they got a lot of veteran players. We know they're loaded on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I don't think neither one of us are too big on on the Bengals defense uh, or have been big on them all year long. So I just found it impossible on how they would contain Travis Kelsey. And um, he did have 10 catches, but only 95 yards, did have a touchdown. So that's somewhat containing because we know that Travis Kelsey is able to wreck a game. Um, But, man, since he – I mean, they trusted Joe Burrow with the football. Joe Mixon ran the ball when needed. Uh, and they got turnovers when it really mattered. That defense got off the field when it really, really mattered. Um, you know, we big on saying that, hey, a game can't be won or lost in just one play. But um, I would have to go back to halftime here. You know more than anybody how much I hate when teams go for it on fourth down when you're not forced to go for it on fourth down. Uh, and I, I believe it may have even been third down uh, right before halftime with five seconds left when they decided to go for it. Yeah. Um, I just feel like you have to find a way to come away with three points there. You have to. Um, you know, it's easy to play uh, Monday morning quarterback the next day and say, oh, if they kick three, they force the Bengals to score a touchdown instead of a field goal, and who knows what happens. Um, but I'm more than sure being up 21-10, they felt like even if they didn't uh, convert, likelihood is they get the ball back at halftime, they score, and nobody's even worried about it because they're blowing the Bengals out. But uh, you got to tip your hat to the Bengals, man. Um, the defense came alive when they needed to. They were able to make Pat Mahomes run around in the pocket. They sacked him for uh, a couple times for big losses. Um, and, I mean, they, they stole a game. Uh, they really went to Arrowhead and stole a game. Um, so I want to start with their defense because I know, how you, like you just said, neither one of us have been big on their defense all season long. And we haven't given a defense enough credit if we being completely honest with it. Cause every week we got on here and I would talk about how the Cincinnati Bengals offense was so up and down on a week to week basis, uh, throughout the season for the mm-hmm. most part. 
and but they were still winning football games. And honestly, that was attributed to their defense and their defense being able to to come up with those stops and get the offense back the ball as many times as they needed to in order to win football games. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't no different with uh, the game uh, against Tennessee where the offense went out there and gave up nine sacks. Yep. But the defense was able to keep them in that game to put them in a position to be able to win it at the end. Uh, Same thing here, man. You're looking at 21-10, Kansas City up going into halftime. Um, You talked about the play at the half where they ended up just using up too much clock because of the play that they ran. Like I said, I have no problem with them going for uh, going for more yardage or going for the touchdown in that position. You just got to execute that play better to where you leave in a second or two on the clock. Yeah, um, yeah, I totally agree. But like you say, that's that's a missed opportunity for points. And in the second half, you got to the point to where what Cincinnati scored what 20, 20 on no, not twenty, like seven. They scored seventeen on that seventeen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the I think Chiefs came out of halftime, got a field goal, and the Chiefs scored seventeen points on answer after that. Uh, once again, that's you got to give a lot of that credit to their defense for being able to to bottle up that Chiefs offense and, like you say, create turnovers um, and be able to give the offense back to football. Um, I I didn't have high the offensive line more than anything else on Cincinnati is the reason why I just couldn't see them getting this far, especially after seeing what happened in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey. I mean, they're here. Like, I never doubted the the talent that they have around Joe Burrow. Um, but now, yeah, but now, um, yeah, I, and I still don't, honestly, I still don't trust, I still don't trust the offensive line. That hasn't changed, but, hey, they got here. Yep. Like, they, they found a way. And like I said, you got to attribute a lot of that to the defense. Um, Sean, is there anything you wanted to add on that game? So, Nobody on that that watches this show besides y'all to know that I had a uh, Kansas City um, Los Angeles Rams as my Super Bowl, so I had Kansas City to win this game, and and I just I sat there in disbelief watching the Kansas City Chiefs do the exact same thing that they done in Week 17. Um, they they had complete control of this game, and then uh, in the third quarter, Patrick Mahomes became a quarterback that I did not recognize. Um, and and it and it it became like I if you want to give the credit to Cincinnati's defense, I, I guess you can. But um again, we've talked about Kansas City's offense. I mean Kansas City's defense the entire time they've been on this three-year run. It's never been great, but it's been it's been something to where they could basically just <clears throat> bend but don't break, or basically put a team in a situation where Kansas City had the lead where you had to try to catch them. So they already knew that you were going to be passing most of the time. Yeah. That's where they had Cincinnati. And then whenever you start going turnover, punt, turnover, turnover, like it, and then it's just like their defense isn't good enough to completely shut down Cincinnati. So the entire momentum of the game changed because Patrick Mahomes just he was late with throws. He was throwing the passes into double coverage, like a, a screen pass that he that he throws to a, a defensive lineman. Like it just it, he just became like the moment was too big for him all of a sudden. Like <laughs> even even the play right before the end of the game, like him running around and just dropping the ball. Like what yeah. are you doing? You know, so I'm, that yeah that that became. <laughs> <clears throat> that game became so much more about Kansas City messing up than it did Cincinnati to me 
you know, getting back in the game. Like, you know, I, and I, that's how I felt about you brought up Tennessee. Um, Tennessee, the game against Tennessee, when they when they gave up nine sacks, I still feel like that was more Tennessee's mistakes than Cincinnati doing anything because every score that Cincinnati had was on a short field mm-hmm. every time they scored against Tennessee. And so I was like, man, there's no way that's going to translate against Kansas City. But, I mean, they won the game. So I, 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 we got to give them credit. Yeah, yeah and, and like I, once again, it's it's hard for me to not just sit here and credit the defense of of saying, look, even though Cincinnati in the second half were able to put up points, uh, the more important thing is they kept Kansas City from being able to put up in it, yep. and a lot of that, some of that stuff was, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, what the hell are you doing? But some of it was forced by the defense. Some of it was. Uh, I, I mean, not all of, like I want to say there was a, another Tyreek Hill um, drop. Well, not a drop, but it got tipped in the air off of his hands and ended up going the other way. So it's just stuff like that, that everything went Cincinnati's way in the second half. Uh, and it was so overwhelming to where it was it, it, it couldn't be uh, it, it was too much for Kansas City. Yeah. Um. So the second game of the day, of course, was the NFC Conference Championship between the San Francisco 49ers and the L.A. Rams. Um, this is <laughs> every week we got on here. We talked about that NFC West. Um, and this is a matchup that was occurring for the third time this season. San Francisco had won both of the games in the regular season. Um, <clears throat> San Francisco, to me, felt like the team – uh, out of all out of all four teams, honestly, San Francisco felt like the team that shouldn't have been here. But you know, once again, they were here. So um, <clears throat> I took the Rams. Reg, I want to say you took the Rams too in this game, didn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it was a close. It was a close game to me. This was a, a a much better game than the first one, even though they didn't put up as many points. Um, the Rams came out with a twenty to seventeen victory. Um, Let's start with you on this one, Sean. What what did you see from this game uh, and your former quarterback? Uh, I don't want to go too much into a lot of the Matthew Stafford talk right now, but just, just off the top of my head, um, this game was always going to be close because it was a division game. And like I've been saying about San Francisco, um, the entire playoffs, they have a, a style of play that travels. Um, so I was never worried about them going on the road and a, and a style of play that makes for a close game because they shorten the game so much. Um, and, and so you still see like a lot of the talent that they had when they went to the Super Bowl with your Bosa's and your Armsteads and, and, uh, and Fred Warner with the people that they have on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have playoff experience. So, you know, it's not surprising that they were able to beat Dallas, and I was a little surprised they beat Green Bay. But, um, you know, th- this being a division game. But anyway, um, Stafford was Stafford. It's the same stuff that I've been seeing from him for 10, 12 years. Like, um, early in the game, I felt like he he was a little tight. Um, and then as the game went on, he got – better like you know because he he's not somebody that is going to make people around him better he needs help from the scheme but mm-hmm. when he gets into his rhythm um i mean he's as good as there is bro I like, like that like that's 
you and that's that's why he peaked in Detroit because Detroit he didn't have the run game, the defense to where when he's off to his slow start. And it and slow starts don't always have to be interceptions, turnovers, dumb decisions, but it's just not those big third down throws just yet. Like he ain't in the game yet. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that's why that's why the Rams was the perfect fit for him because they can hold a team like San Francisco to 17 points until he got ready to be the number one overall pick. You know what I mean? And yeah. so um, anyway, to the game, the result was what I expected it to be. Um, it was a little closer than I was expecting, but uh, yeah, I, the, the result is is exactly what I was expecting. So coming into this game, and we talked about the point spread. That was the thing that kind of shocked me. Uh, the Rams was giving up seven, and I said, man, that's a lot of points. NFC Championship game, uh, division game, this team. This would be the third time that they play. They clearly know each other. Uh, to me, they have a very similar uh, identity for its football. Uh, we talked about how San Francisco game travels. To me, so does the Rams when everything is clicking. And um, I really thought this game was going to get played the same way the, the last two games got played. It's just that Jimmy G, I can't say he was bad when the game first started. I felt like he had two big drops that really changed this game. Uh, one was to George, uh, uh, George Kittle that would have been close to a touchdown. If he would have you know, caught that ball, the only person he got to beat is the safety. He, he's at least getting tackled. Well, who knows if a, a safety one-on-one even tackles George Kittle. So that would have been a huge game that would have definitely put them in the red zone. Uh, very next pass got dropped. They forced a punt. But the biggest thing that I took from this game is uh, for the Rams, it was Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham played a significant role in this game for his uh, beating zone coverages and things of that nature, scored a touchdown, uh, kept the chains moving. And then if you're looking at it from San Francisco's side, you're like, wow, they didn't rush the ball at all. They didn't. They, they found no way to run the ball this game against the Rams. This was the first meeting this year where, the, where San Francisco was unsuccessful running the ball against the Rams. I want to say last game that they played, um, the last, yeah, well, I, I want to say the last two games, Elijah Mitchell had at least 90 yards rushing, if not over 100, the last one. And then you come into this game, and um, he, Eli Mitchell, I'm sorry, he was held to 11 carries for 20 yards. Debo couldn't give him nothing running the ball out the backfield. Jimmy G was asked to pass, pass the ball 15 to 20 times in the first two games. This game, Jimmy G had 30 attempts. And uh, we already know if he throw the ball enough, he's going to turn the ball over. And, um, you know, it was crucial for, for for San Francisco. He turned the ball over in the worst case at the uh, at the wrong time. And um, they fought hard. I really did think that San Francisco had a better chance at winning this game than most people. But, you know, the Rams is a loaded football team and they headed to the Super Bowl. To me, this game came down to two things. One was what uh, what you just uh, pointed at, which was the Rams shut down the run for the first time uh, this season when it came to San Francisco. You're talking about, like you say, you got Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell who combined for less than 50 yards rushing the football. Um, the second thing to me is the Rams have the better players. And that is the only thing that separated San Francisco from the Rams in this game. Because you look at, well, for one, if it was a three-point game, if it was close throughout, uh, the defenses uh, stepped up and they played great. Um, the difference to me was Debo Samuel having seven rushes for 26 yards, uh, four receptions for 72 yards. But then you look on the other side of the football and you got Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham, 
both going for over 100 yards, both almost, well, Cooper had 11 catches, Odell Beckham had nine catches, um, and that's the big difference right there. That's that <laughs> that's the huge difference to me is that the better players had the better performances, and that led to in what is um, a scheming battle between these two teams. Honestly, it's all about scheme and coaching when it comes to these two teams. Talent was the thing that really separated them and gave the Rams the win here because you look at a George Kittle who didn't have a great game. Uh, and once again, we just touched on the running backs. And even Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the football 30 times didn't really bother me. But it's the fact that it bothered me. only 50% of that is getting completed. And George Kittle is the quiet partner in in the duo uh, of the day. So um, I, would, I took the Rams. I, I, I honestly didn't think the game would be this close. Um, but... I took the Rams. I'm glad the Rams won because if they didn't, I would have hated the Super Bowl. And who wants to do that? So, <laughs> go ahead. Can I just say I never wavered on Odell Beckham. Um, so it's really good to see him having a, a a good second half of the season because I always thought that he was still a top five wide receiver because there was nothing there was nothing that was really glaring besides him being hurt and being around a terrible organization that I was like. Man, I can't just say that he don't have it no more. Because when he looked right, he looked right. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it, it just was like, how do we get him to look like this all the time? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that it just became a attitude thing, that he really just didn't care anymore. And so now I feel like now that he's got a better situation, I, I always was like, man, Beckham's still that dude. I, I would, and I totally agree with you. I never written uh, Odell Beckham off. Um, to me, a lot of people look at production for his stats, and they translate that into this guy is better than this guy. When normally that's not the case. Um, football is a scheme. I don't care who's your favorite player, who put up the the best numbers, all that good stuff. It's a scheme. That's what football is. Everybody's running their their scheme, uh, and some people are just gonna shine brighter than others. And I felt like Odell was was put into a situation that it didn't fit his skill set. Kind of like how you pointed out, he didn't just wake up one day and say, all right, I'm going to go from being a top five receiver to absolutely trash. So, I mean, you had to know that it was it was the part of the scheme. And I really I don't want to get off subject, but I I just I'm not going to say Baker Mayfield. I'm not huge on him. Uh, I definitely feel like. He, him and he and uh, Cleveland's offensive coordinator, their whole approach to offense uh, caused a lot of the the flaws we saw in Odell. Um, but you know, even all these years, Michael Thomas without, was out here catching a hundred balls and doing this and doing that. You know, deep down inside, I really felt like Odell Beckham could do the same thing if he was put in a system like Michael Thomas was put in with a great head coach, Hall of Fame quarterback, all that good stuff. There's no reason I couldn't see Odell doing that, if not more. So I am happy that he's he's found the scheme um, that he can, you know, continue to show his talents. So we we I want to say last week or the week before, me and you had a, a long-winded conversation about Odell Beckham and Cleveland and all of that. A couple so weeks ago, definitely yeah. don't want to go down that road again. Right. I will say y'all two are higher on Odell Beckham than I am, and that's always been the case. Like yeah. even the Giants days, y'all were bigger on Odell Beckham was than I than I am. Um, do I think he's a top five receiver still? No, I don't. Do I think that he's 
a bum? I don't think that either. And it's hard for me to do. I think he's closer to being a top five wide receiver than he is a bum. Yes. The thing for me, though, is the Ram situation is such a good situation that it's hard for me to evaluate him in that sense based off of it. If he wasn't lining up opposite of Cooper Cup, it'd be something different. I could be like, oh, yeah, that's that's still the Odell Beckham that we always knew, you know, or that was before he got to Cleveland. It's harder to judge him off of that as, like I said, not as a good or a bad receiver, but do I still think he's top five? Go ahead, Rich. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you got it. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. I I was just going to say, I still think he's a one. Um, but I but I do think that this is him just just fitting in for yeah. a season. Let's let's see we'll, let, we'll evaluate again next season. Let's let's see what that is. And and I I do think he'll stay with the Rams. That he he talked about wanting to stay with the Rams. So again, it'll probably still be difficult because he'll still be with Cup yeah. and Woods and and all them other people. But um, I still think he's a one on any team in the league. And. Oh, I just wanted to say real quick. And I, I do enjoy watching Odell Beckham. Like, if not a, even a thing about that. Like, I enjoy him being able to be a successful wide receiver again, uh, regardless of who he playing for or anything like that. Um, yeah, but just in the sense of what he really is, uh, it's just so hard to tell. Go ahead, Red. Yeah, I just was going to add um... – Agreeing with Sean, I definitely still think he can be a one on a lot of teams in the NFL. And I don't think that he necessarily gave up in Cleveland. I just think that it's super frustrating because to me, he matured in Cleveland. He always said the right thing. Never really had nothing crazy going on until, of course, the videos that his dad leaked or, you know, whichever way you want to go with that. But I kind of think that Odell has kind of had a taste of good and bad. I know what it feels like to be the cream of the crop in New York, the number one, all this good stuff, but also know what it feels like to not even uh, properly get the ball in Cleveland. So I think he's somewhere in between of I'm cool if I'm the number one, I'm cool if I'm the number two. Long as I have a role in anybody's offense and we win it, I'm cool with it. Now, I don't think he resigns with the Rams. I think that that team is too loaded when you think of Cam Akers coming back. Uh, he's going to get touches. He was toting the ball very well uh, last season, the, the end of last season before the injury. Uh, so good they named him the starter. All last year, the Rams didn't even name a starting running back. They just kind of had a carousel until Cam Akers took off. So given the fact that he'll be healthier than what he is right now, you want to keep the ball in Matthew Stafford's hands. You saw what Cooper Cup uh, done. The last couple years, him and Robert Woods always demanded over 100 targets. It's going to be hard to squeeze a third guy in there that feel like he should get 100 100 targets a season as well. So I definitely think he take his talents uh, elsewhere, but I think he continues to, you know, play with a good quarterback and put up good numbers. So I had one thing to say to you said that last thing. So the first thing I want to say is my biggest, my biggest thing about Odell Beckham in the Cleveland situation was people trying to turn that into Odell Beckham is not at fault for what happened in Cleveland at all. And I disagree with that. His play wasn't to me, his play wasn't 100%. His production wasn't a 100% Baker Mayfield or uh, offensive scheme or anything like that. He played his part in the production that was or wasn't there. <coughs> um, my second thing was I don't think Odell Beckham finally <coughs> getting to a Super Bowl. I think once he gets that, or now that he has that, 
like most players, he's going to want to continue to get there. So I do see him uh, staying in L.A. because any I feel like any place that he would be willing to go, he would end up being looked at as a second receiver no matter what. So why not stay where, in this case, you won a Super Bowl or can win a Super Bowl? Uh, especially with Robert Woods coming off the injury that that he's coming off of. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Anybody else? Anything else? We can go on and on about this. Uh, Odell in Cleveland and all this, all this good stuff. To me, Baker numbers is just so bad. He, he had such a horrible season. It's impossible for me to blame anybody. Uh, Besides Baker Mayfield, like see, but and what and once again, we're not going down this road again. But I, I hate for you to say something like that, and then I still can look up and see Jarvis Landry being a thousand yard receiver, or Donovan People Jones having big games, but Odell Beckham couldn't. Like that wasn't because Baker didn't want to throw the football to Odell Beckham. Go ahead, Sean. So I, I'll say the Cleveland situation, <laughs> it is what it is, and I, I'm I'm not even going. It happened, whatever. Yeah. Whatever Odell Beckham's part in that was, it, it is, it's over. But I I just want to say, not even specific to Odell Beckham, but what you were saying about about him feeling like somebody that should get the ball a whole lot, uh, the game has changed so much, especially with injuries and especially with how much offense there is. Him being third, fourth, fifth option isn't a big deal because, like, look at look at all the teams that, that have this type of – look at – the teams that are in the Super Bowl, even even looking at Cincinnati, they got they had Boyd and Higgins and Uzama last year. They and Mixon, they didn't need Chase, but they got Chase, and now that you know what I mean. So now you know you look at even last year, uh, they already had uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and and uh, and Jones, and then it was like, oh no, we need Fournette. No, we need Antonio Brown. No, we, you know what I mean. So you can never have enough offensive pieces. I I think you're gonna stay with the Rams. And they all played a part. It's not like anybody got isolated throughout, you know, in these systems these days. It's hard for anybody yeah. to get isolated. So Yeah. Well, the lead has definitely changed, and they're throwing the ball more. For me, it just to be the uncertainty of you, when you mentioned the guys like Antonio Brown, uh, Gronk, um, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was he, – he was traded for. Antonio Brown was attached to Tom Brady, so we knew, we knew what that situation was going to be. But I just think it's going to be such a great demand for for Odell Beckham. Uh, a lot of teams are going to be looking to put him in the same situation he is with the Rams. If he resigned, am I surprised? Absolutely not. I'm just saying it. it's hard for me to say he's going to be back there right now, knowing I think it's going to be a whole lot of teams um, acquiring his services. And the thing about uh, Landry, before Landry made it to Cleveland, we saw Landry catch 100 balls for Miami. Why? He's really not outrunning nobody. He's an inside route-breaking guy. Uh, five to seven yards, you know what I'm saying, Ch- chain-moving kind of receiver. We spoke about systems. That's not Odell Beckham's system. That's not what he specializes in. So, once again, I'm not I'm not pointing a finger at nobody. Everybody was on the field. Everybody had to take fault. It's just hard for me to give him more fault than the other guy. Odell That's Beckham all I'm saying. Odell Beckham's a wide receiver. He should be able to run a route tree. Um, but besides <laughs> that, oh, um, what was I about to say? Dang, what was your first point? I don't know. About Beckham, the thing I disagree about what you just said about him, um, having other suitors, you said that there would be a lot of teams that could put him in the same position as the Rams. I, I disagree with that. 
I don't. I, I think there will be a lot of teams interested in him. Like I hear Seattle is trying to go all in on him this offseason. Seattle not going to put him in a position that yeah, he is yeah. with the Rams. There's only three or four teams that I feel like could actually do that. Yeah. And if it comes down to money, uh, how much mo- how much more money can he get somewhere else that'll be worth him leaving a championship contender? But he uh, also has done. It. But he also likes LA, so that's why. He loves he, LA. Yeah. So that's why I don't I don't see him going nowhere. Yeah. Um. Sorry, to rail the conversation with Odell Beckham. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Right. Oh no no no. That's going. Anytime you mention Odell Beckham or Baker Mayfield, especially mention him in the same system, this uh, in the same sentence, this is going to happen. Because my mind instantly think about how many touchdowns he had playing seventeen games, knowing he only had three more than Jameis Winston playing eight games. It that, he. It's gonna, it's gonna, uh, yeah, some words gonna, gonna, gonna get shared, man. That's just how it go over here, man. So let's, let's start looking at this head coaching carousel. Last week we got on here, uh, after the news broke about Sean Payton stepping away from the New Orleans Saints, which, um, which of course left an opening in our organization for the head coaching job, uh, a position we haven't been in in 15, 16 years. Um, so since then, uh, the New Orleans Saints have put together the interview list. They've already completed uh, a handful of interviews. I think all but two that they're going to do at this point. Um, they interviewed Aaron Glenn, Byron Leftwich, um, the dude that they wasted their time on, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. The dude they wasted their time on. <laughs> um, Brian Flores yesterday, which we got a big discussion to have about him. Uh, they're going to uh, interview Dennis Allen and uh, the special teams coach too. I can't, I can't uh, pronounce his name. <laughs> so, um, out of the candidate, because we talked last week about you know at that point when we got on here and talked, it was well we know for sure Dennis Allen go get a, a, a interview. They had already put Aaron Glenn's name out there. Um, I don't think Byron Leftwich's name had got put out there quite yet. But out of the candidates that we're looking at now, which seems to be the final list, uh, I know last week we talked about, hey, Dennis Allen is the smart choice. You promote Chris Richard to defensive coordinator. You solve your problems. So I want to ask you outside of Dennis Allen, who would be out of the candidate list, the guys that they've interviewed, who would be your choice for head coach? Uh, Brian Flores. Uh, he's the, I, I like head coaches that have started off place, places that – was not so good, and they left those places better than when they uh, got there. And to me, he has definitely done that. Uh, if you tell me that we hired Doug, Doug Pearson, it's not like the best thing in the world, but given the other candidates, I can kind of see that if that's all that we're going by. But uh, I love, I mean, we, we've talked about Brian Flores even before this, this, this whole uh, circus has happened around him. But, uh, you know, I love what he done with the, with the Dolphins. That was a tough division to get thrown into. Um, coaching against a guy in Bill Belichick twice a year. Uh, you got Buffalo right there. And, I mean, they fought hard with all those teams. Uh, my, no one had any expectation for Miami. Uh, and then the second season, he kind of turned water into wine in, in a sense. And then the third season, the expectations just was unreal because they made it to the playoffs the year before. And to me, the shot, the firing was very, uh, was a very shortcoming firing. I think he had uh, more work to do in Miami, and I think he kind of earned that in a way. 
So uh, I, if we had to go outside of Dennis Allen, that's that's who I would turn my attention to. Um, mine would be the same for different reasons. I, I, I don't want to say different reasons, but it would be Brian Flores for me for one because I trust Pete Carmichael, uh, somebody who had been attached to Sean Payton's uh, hip for a very long time uh, running at offense. I don't expect the offense to change much when it comes to scheming and things of that nature. I trust my offense to Pete Carmichael. So def- defense and being able to continue putting out a defense that we've been putting out for the past three years that's what's important. Um, and if you're and if you're skipping over a Dennis Allen, there's no reason for me to believe that Dennis Allen would return after this season to continue being defensive coordinator. I think he'd uh absolutely be a head coach next year if you were to skip over him. So once again, you're leaving an opening at defensive coordinator. Um and Brian Flores, his if he had one big flaw while he was in Miami, it was not being able to put together a flourishing offense the -hmm. defense was able to the defense was great those years that he was there um it was the offense that he can never quite figure out and if that part's already taken care of taken care of for him i definitely don't think uh we'd be taking any steps back with him being our head coach um so look we we said we both said dennis allen last week we both sitting here saying brian flores this week there's a lot more uh, to discuss when it comes to Brian Flores in mm. general, uh, and we'll get to that. But just just looking around the league at the the jobs that have been filled to this point, mm-hmm. um, we're talking. We got the Denver Broncos hired. Uh, I want to say the offensive coordinator for from Green Bay. They uh, hired every coach available from Green Bay at this Green point. <laughs> Cheerleader director is next. Uh, the Chicago Bears, they who did oh, they hired uh, the defensive coordinator from the Colts. Mm-hmm. I always forget, I always forget that one. Um, Brian Dabo got the job for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say that's it so far. With head, yeah. no, I'm missing one. Uh, Josh McDaniels, oh, yeah, 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 Las Vegas, yeah, yeah, uh, which came out of the blue and happened very mm-hmm. fast. Um, <laughs> So those are those are the jobs that have been filled. So who's still- going over who's going over there with with um with McDaniels? The GM from okay the okay yeah. that was that was his connection. <clears throat> um, so of those uh, the jobs we got remaining, we're still looking at the Miami Dolphins, the Minnesota Vikings, the New Orleans Saints, the Houston Texans. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. Did you say Minnesota? Yeah, Minnesota, New Orleans, Houston, Miami. <clears throat> Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just those four. Um, Jacksonville. But, oh, yeah, in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville. Which um, I know we talked about that last week. I feel like that's a Byron Leftwich match right there. But the fact that he hasn't been hired yet kind of says differently. Mm-hmm. So, um I did, I mean, we we talked about how this is a great year for candidate candidate wise. Uh, there's a lot of good candidates out there. None of the jobs that have been filled outside of the Josh McDaniels one, and that one is kind of different for me than for most people, I'm sure. But none of those none of those hires really wowed me. Um, you know what I like, except for the the Brian Dable in in New York, just because once again I. 
I give him every bit of credit for turning Josh Allen from what he was year one to what he was year two and what he is now, which mm-hmm. is the biggest jump I've ever seen for a quarterback in a one-year span. And it's hard for me to credit that to anybody but him. Um, and and, uh, and for me, the Josh McDaniels one, um, I still I still believe in Josh McDaniels. Um, like I said, we saw him in Denver. We saw what that was. I think it was – Sometimes you got to take a head coaching job because you don't know when it's going to come again. Yep. Um, even if the situation is bad, I think he just found himself in a bad situation. I think if Andrew Luck didn't retire, which I think he had some information about before, and that's why he accepted the coach job and then turned it down, he had to have some information about that. If Andrew Luck hadn't retired and he would have took that job, I think he would have been really successful. So jumping into the Vegas, uh, this Vegas job, where quarterback seems to be a decision. I like Derek Carr. I would keep rolling with Derek Carr. But the rest of that team being real young and real solid and uh, being able to to still be able to make some moves going into this offseason, I feel like that's a great that's a great job to have, and that's a that's a real good hire. Yep. Um, but to y'all, did any of those jobs really move the needle for y'all? Uh, for me, for the Raiders, the Raiders definitely. Um, with McDaniel's, that that definitely uh, did it for me. That was to me a match made in heaven. Uh, we went over this last last week where I told you I thought the Raiders' job were, was outside of the Saints was a the best job available. I don't even think the Saints was available then, so I had that as my the best job available um, yeah. in the league. Quarterback making twenty million dollars next year. Um, you have a young team. Um, D line has improved. The only thing that you're saying that you have to address is your receiver position, which we see what these young guys are doing coming out of college, uh, and also your defensive back. DBs are trash. They're horrible for the Raiders. So that's two things that they have to improve, and you can easily address those things in free agency and the draft. So uh, yeah, I, I really do think that they have a good thing going over there. So, before the New Orleans job became available, I, I thought that Jacksonville was the best job uh, available, not Oakland. Um, I I still feel like Jacksonville is just because of the cap situation with the with the Saints and no quarterback. Um, so, anyway, the 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 Raiders getting Josh McDaniels was a surprise for me. Not that he's I don't think that he's going to be successful, especially if they hold on to Derek Carr. But hearing that he's been basically kind of like the brain trust behind a lot of what's going on with New England's offense over all these years, not just um, the the most recent years without Tom Brady. Um, I thought that he would stay in, in, in New England until that was his job. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it, 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 it happened very fast, so I was surprised by it. But I feel like that's been the most the, the, the hire that I feel like has the best chance um, to be a good hire because I thought <laughs> the Giants job was pretty bad. I, I, I thought the Giants job is just like, like you said, and even with Brian Dayball turning around Josh, uh, Josh Allen, if he can do that with Daniel Jones, then I guess, I guess it is a good job, but um, I mean, a good fit for them too. Uh, but yeah. like you said, the, the, the people that have been hired, especially in a, in a year where the candidates are so good, um, I'm just surprised by it being so meh. You know what I mean? Like, um, besides Josh McDaniels, to me. 
And um, so for me, it was the Denver Broncos. That's the job I looked at and said, that is the best job uh, available because that's the best roster situation plus cap situation. Mm -hmm. um, because you're telling me that you get a quarterback that's average and this team is a playoff team. You get an Aaron Rodgers that Super Bowl contenders next year. Um, <clears throat> Nathaniel Hackett getting a job doesn't do anything for me because it's an unknown, which is a right. lot. It's like me, like I said, I look at Brian Dable and I say, oh, I got to give him credit for what Josh Allen is. I can't give Hackett credit for what Aaron Rodgers is. I can't give Josh McDaniels credit for what Tom Brady was. Like, and that's that always blurs, you know, being able to figure out what it is you're going to get from these guys before you can actually see it. Right. Um, so, yeah, so like you say, they got uh, – with so many candidates, to this point, it's just so, okay, now what? Like, <laughs> like there's, none, there's none of them where you're like, oh, yeah, they definitely going to turn that around or, you know, anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, but with what we have remaining, which job – we, okay, so what's the best job remaining now? Uh, I know you said that you chose Jacksonville in the beginning. So outside of Jacksonville for you, Sean, what is the best job remaining when you're looking at Saints, Minnesota, Houston? I think that, I think we said that was it. Yeah, because um, we're cutting out Jacksonville. I, I think I think without Jacksonville being included, I, I think it would be the Saints just because. Even though the cap situation is dire and and whatever they end up doing with the quarterback, the even if you get there and you do nothing, the team is still good already. You, you know what I mean? So and the and the division is not great. The you know and it's it's still early to see whatever. Well, I'm sorry. What what team are you speaking about? My fault. I'm talking about New Orleans. I'm okay. Talking about New Orleans. Um, because we don't know what's going to happen with the offseason, but again. The Saints don't have a quarterback, but neither does anybody else in the division at this at this moment. Um, you know, I mean, Matt Ryan is the best, yeah, right. and, yeah. how, and how good is he still? So, you know, I, I think New Orleans would be a a, a good job, but again, there, there's so much that needs to happen there before we know what that's going to look like going into next season. Um, and that's why keeping it in house seems to be the best idea. You know. Uh, and for Reg, of course, exclude the Saints. What's the best job remaining? Jacksonville, Minnesota, Houston. Mm. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like the Giants job. I'm not like crazy big on it, but I feel like that's a team that play hard at times. And if they get the right leaderships, uh, the right guys in the locker room, that they can kind of turn things around. Um, so oh, I was, wait, 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 wait. You said the Giants. Giants already feel I'm like, my, my, my fault. Yeah, my yeah, fault. Yeah. Um, the Giants is taken. Giants out. So it's just Saints Houston, out. Minnesota, and um, I just said it. Houston, Minnesota, and Miami, and Jacksonville, and Jacksonville. Yeah, we have to go Minnesota. Have to go Minnesota. Um. Defense not great, but you got you know studs at the receiver position. You definitely got your your answer at at running back. We know Kirk Cousins will be available or whatever the case is. But um, say what? I'm sorry, I love Dalvin Cook. Oh yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm going Minnesota with with those remaining. 
to me, Minnesota is. And Aaron Rodgers should be leaving the division. Should be. Uh, <laughs> to, to me, Minnesota is the meh of the whole group. Just because, <laughs> like you say, it's, you got Dalvin Cook, you got a good receiving core, you got to figure out what you want to do with Kirk Cousins, whether you want to roll with him or get rid of him. And then you basically got to rebuild that defense. Yeah. Um, when you look at my, like I say, to me, Miami had the best, before the New Orleans Saints job had, became open, after Denver, to me, Miami had the best roster. Um, and you got to figure out quarterback, which I wouldn't be mad at whatever coach if they came in and said, based off of this, the second half of two a season, I'm going to roll with two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't be mad at that. And I, I still think that, to me, that's still the best job available. That Minnesota job, to me, is just, I don't know. I think you have the most questions for that team, even though it's an average team. Like, Houston is the worst team, but you know you're coming into Houston and you can do whatever the fuck you want to outside of Brandon Cooks uh, and maybe one or two more players. And then when you're looking at um, – damn, what's the other one? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. When you're looking at Jacksonville, you already got your, your franchise – you already have your franchise quarterback. I like, I, I, it's hard for me to think anybody going to come in and move off of Trevor Lawrence uh, already. Um, and then you have some young studs especially on defense over there with Josh Allen and Miles Jack, uh, Shaquille Griffin. I love Shaquille Griffin, at cornerback. So you have the talent. I feel like a lot of Jacksonville's issues last year was coaching. So uh, to me, Minnesota would probably be last on that list of jobs, but it's not because they don't have a, a okay team. It's just the question marks for them are kind of weird. And see, Jacksonville is that for me. Like, sure, you got a lot of cap space. You got this young quarterback. To me, Miles Miles Jacks is a Miles Jackson is a decent linebacker, and and Griffin is a decent DB. Um, to me, they're not all world, but they're not you know completely trash neither. You know, they they something if you if they're on your team, they start and they they reliable starters. But cap space to me in football is much different than basketball. Like you just can't go buy a team in in the NFL, uh, sign players for a whole bunch of money, and think okay now we're ready to compete. Um, I after seeing a, a, what I saw from Jacksonville and I called we called it kind of early just looking back at preseason for Jacksonville last year and I was like I don't like any of this like to I said that week one in preseason they didn't have identity and they ended the year to me not having identity and someone can go over there and set up shop but you starting over from scratch so you're gonna have a, a a quarterback in his second year who was unsuccessful who's basically starting over yet again and you still have to improve the, at the receiver position. There's no way Jacksonville could continue to go on to me and be successful with the, with the receiving core that they have. See, I, I can I jump in here? Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I couldn't disagree with you more about Jacksonville. Jacksonville is the best job to me because what another thing that you're forgetting is they got three picks in the top 90, and all of them are the first pick in each round. And then you have you have so little talent on that team that – Whatever coach you bring in, you can go whichever direction you want to go with salary cap that even if you're not going out and quote unquote buying a team, you still can target the type of people that you want because you're not tied to anything like a Kirk Cousins or a Cam Jordan for the Saints that's making a lot of money but getting a lot of open. You know what I mean? Like that there's so much talent on that team that it's like, bro, this is this is as 
blank a canvas as there can be that I can paint yeah. whatever picture I want to paint. No, and when you when you come in with a Trevor Lawrence who was as can't miss a prospect as Aaron Andrew Luck the last couple of years, I feel like even his worst is somebody that you can still have for three years on a rookie deal that is not going to be horrible that you got to move off of him. He's somebody that even if he don't become top 10 in the in while he on his rookie contract, I still don't think he's going to be somebody like Jared Goff that you're looking to replace. So, I mean, you got so much flexibility with Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's the best job by far. And what and where I disagreed with you at Reg was you when you said that about how you feel the NFL is different from the NBA to where you basically can't buy a team and expect to be able to win off of it. I disagree with that because Miami just did it a couple of years ago when Brian Flores just got there. It's it's all about are our players willing to come play for you? And that's gonna depend on who the head coach is. Mm-hmm. Because nobody was going to Miami until Brian Flores got there. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I can't. I, I knew I could get my money from Miami, but now they got a coach that I'm willing to go play for. Okay, mm-hmm. now I'm going to go. So if they get the right coach, they can get the players because they have the money. And once again, like I, we differ on how we feel about the young talent because you, mm-hmm. you, you, you brushed off Miles Jack and Josh Allen and Shaquille Griffin mm-hmm. uh, like average players. We feel differently about that. Um, Outside of Shaquille Griffin, Josh Allen, Miles Jack, those are very young guys. And I think think both of them might be still on rookie deals, maybe just one of them. But once again, money isn't an object for Jacksonville, and they have enough talent on that team to where if you can plug in um, a few positions on each side of the football with high-value players, then you've turned it around. But and more importantly, it's about the coach. Because like you said, you saw at the beginning of the year, there's no identity. That's because yeah. of who their coach was. So yeah. it, it all starts with who they name as their head coach. And what I mean by buying a team is simply in basketball, if you go out and you get three great players, you almost instantly a, 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 a contender for the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is basically with football, to me, I don't see it like that. Like, just because you go out and spend a lot of money, New York Giants or, well, you know, these teams that have done it in the past years, that don't necess- that don't translate into winning all the time. Now, you spoke about yeah, Brian not all Ford. the time. One. Yeah, you, I'm saying you spoke about Brian Flores going to Miami and, and, you know, them basically paying all that money to get the corners over there and all that good stuff. That resulted into one playoff trip in three years and him being out the door. And I'm just saying, when I think of good job, I think of winning. It's not necessarily like making a dream team. I'm thinking about winning. So do I see Jacksonville going to the – no matter what they do, they got three draft picks, high draft picks. They're going to have to get a new coach, all that good stuff. Do I see them making the playoffs? No. Just being (laughs) – it it would shock shock me if they make the playoffs. If the Raiders make the playoffs next year, would it shock me? No, it wouldn't shock me. But if Jacksonville make it, it would shock me. Uh, if Minnesota make it, it wouldn't shock me. But I just don't see it in Jacksonville. The, like he said, the canvas is so blank, it's hard for me to go past what I saw last year. So yeah. where I'm going to fight back with you on the Miami situation is there's only one position that you can fuck up. I mean, there's only one position that can cost you a good season or a bad season, and that's quarterback. He mm-hmm. missed on his quarterback. Tua was not what he thought Tua was going to be in his first year. If that if that wasn't Tua and it was Justin Herbert, they would have been a playoff team for two out of three of the years he was there. And but, it's just know. that simple. 
It's the one thing. Every, every, every cent that he spent, especially on defense when it came to Xavier Howard and Byron Jones uh, and all those other guys that he brought into house, for the most part, all of those pickups hit. The one yeah. that didn't was Tua. But yeah. if Tua would have hit, he would have been in the playoffs two out of three seasons. Mm-hmm. And this conversation would have just been, oh, he bought his way. He got there. He paid a lot of money. He was and see, when you start saying saying that, that if we could apply that if to any team in football and their situation is totally different. Well, I'm telling you, Jackson, once again, what well, we disagree. I'm telling you, Jacksonville has their quarterback. So you can't fuck that one up. Because like Sean says, at worst, you're just looking at an average guy, which is still good enough if you're able to plug in, like I said, those positions, those other positions with high-value players. So if you're telling me you said wide receiver is one of their biggest things they need to upgrade, so I tell you to go get Chris Godwin. That is, okay, great. Let's say they go out there and get one of the best linemen. Okay, cool. And then they add somebody in their secondary. To me, depending on who their coach is, that's enough to have them contending, especially in the AFC South, next year. And see, it's so tough for me even for you to say that. I'm sorry, Sean. It's hard for me to say that because if you're going to tell me that I'm taking a team that's just completely trash right now, but they got all this. That's this. what we disagree. I don't, we don't feel like they completely trash. Only you do. Oh, you don't okay. see any well, yeah, talent I thought we were you're all looking at them like they're the Houston, Texas. Exactly. I, I don't look at them like that. Yeah, we don't yeah, look at yeah, them. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I apologize. I definitely was reading that wrong. I def- I thought we all uh was one accord was saying that they, they are a super bad team. But yeah, if you if you think that that's a competitive team in any way, shape, or form, yeah, we disagree to the point where yeah, yeah, we it, it don't even make sense to, to speak on it. Uh I think that Denver, that's the thing that I'm saying about Denver, too, that, like, them being so good in every other spot, because I do think they have a great defense. they got good wide receivers and stuff like that, that is just plugging in a quarterback. But Oh, definitely. Again, that as everybody in the league. Everybody, everybody in the league is looking for, except for, what, eight teams? Is yeah. looking for the quarterback that's going to take them over the top. And that's yeah. why I feel like Denver isn't the best job. That's that's why but, I disagree. But every team isn't as good as Denver in all those other positions. True. Is the point. The, so but, every team isn't, oh, we drop Aaron Rodgers into the Giants and they're a Super Bowl contender. But New Orleans is. Yeah, but once again, that's not every team. That's two teams. Like those are the only two. Uh, those are the only two available jobs that's like that, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't, and that's from since the beginning of the off season. Like those are the only two jobs to where it's been. <laughs> oh yeah, New Orleans, Denver. If they can get a quarterback like Russell yeah. Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, those two are Super Bowl contenders. Anybody else isn't. I'll throw another team in there. So uh, going back from last year when Jobs was still uncertain at that point and uh, Washington, you know, they clarified to go into the end of the season that they're going to roll with Heineke again. They feel like he showed enough. I really felt like if they would if you would have dropped Aaron Rodgers into that situation at the beginning of the year with the additions that they had coming into this season, how well the defense jailed together uh, last year, that that could have been a, a contending Super Bowl team. And I still feel like that. I know that they said that they're going to roll with them, but I think that's only simply because of the lack of available quarterbacks. And last year, I felt the same way going into that. I felt the same way about you going into the offseason, that if Washington could get an above-average quarterback, that would change the world for them. 
But then the defense went out there and played like they did last season. <laughs> so now it's looking like, well, now y'all got to figure out what the fuck going on with y'all defense. <laughs> or quarterback not going to matter. If right. y'all got, you know, so I don't know. Um, But, you know, I, I see Urban, I mean, not Urban Meyer. I see Jim Harbaugh name being brought up a lot with Minnesota now. They saying that he's a, a finalist for their job. I think Jim Harbaugh going to Miami. I've always thought that ever since Brian Flores got fired. Um, and there's just a public image that he's trying to, that him and the franchise are trying to keep together for a good bit. Uh, and that's why they haven't been um, sat on yet. But Urban Mind of Miami, Byron Leftwich to Jacksonville, Brian Flores to Houston before yesterday. Um, that's how I saw those job openings uh, filling out. So, oh, you asked what I said? No. Oh, so let's talk. Let's, let's get the. Let's talk about Brian Flores. Let's talk about the lawsuit that he's filed against the NFL and Miami Dolphins, Denver Broncos. There's one other team. Was it the Giants? The New York Giants. Yeah, the New York Giants. Um, and him filing a lawsuit against them for basically racism, basically not genuinely giving him an opportunity, um, more or less. Because in Miami, he got the opportunity, but then the opportunity quickly turned into you're not doing what we you're not doing what we want you to do. So we about to get you up out of here. Uh, the Giants interviewing him basically just to fulfill the Rooney Rule. And then uh, the Denver Broncos not even paying attention to the man during his interview. Um, so that's what he's suing for. What will be the consequences? I hate to use that word. What will be the result of him filing that lawsuit? I, I think we're all going to agree on that, but I'm just going to get it from somebody else. What's going to be the result of the lawsuit he filed yesterday? We can start with Sean. What you think, Sean? Well, you you asked me this earlier, and I, I when I saw this news, I was I was proud for him making the sacrifice, but I was sad for him because we we all know where this is going to end with literally nothing changing. Um, because again, it it's been this way for years, like everybody else is saying, um, and so him basically sacrificing his coaching career to go up against an organization that has proven uh, that he, they already believe his claims are false before even doing any kind of investigation. Um, so because he's a good coach, um, I was sad that he's not probably going to, I mean, I don't want to say it definitively, but from the outside looking in, because we've had experience with this type of thing, um, that he's probably not going to coach again. And so, you know, for him to have, opportunities like New Orleans and Houston and 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 even though uh this is bigger than him um you know I, I just I just don't feel like it's going to end the way that we hope it would and and that just made me sad yeah and uh, I agree with you man you definitely hit the nail uh, on the head man um it's kind of like you're proud but at the end of the day you know what it result to and to me, I think he it'll be very hard for him to get a 
a head coach, head coaching job, period, simply because he is African-American. And now you got what they call a circus or whatever, however you want to label it, following him or whatever. It's definitely going to be hard. Uh, and I hate it because when we talk about guys that get head coaching jobs, the ones that get me excited are the ones that have a track record where you can go back and see, oh, he was here with such and such. And look how much such and such has improved, whether it's an individual player or a whole team. And he's definitely one of those guys to me that that have proven himself those three years in Miami and didn't deserve to, to be fired, period, um, let alone be in a situation where he possibly can't coach again. So uh, proud of him for standing up, and I wish him all the luck moving forward. And to me, it's it, it's exactly what y'all are saying. To me, I look at it and I'm saying, well, man, so it's Kaepernick again. Like, we, we saw what happened with Kaepernick, and, which is – once again, you look at it, you respect it, you applaud it. I 100% understand it, all of that stuff. But as soon as I see it, I'm saying you taking the same route that Kaepernick did, which didn't change anything. I felt like a per- I felt like him particularly because he got fired. Everybody felt like he shouldn't have been fired. If he never filed a lawsuit, he I, I felt I felt pretty 96% sure that he was going to end up with a head coaching job this offseason. Uh, mm-hmm. off of being fired from Miami. And to me, I felt like he probably could have did more for his cause if he was actually being able to still be a head coach in the NFL. Uh, if he took a job in Houston and was able to continue to develop coaching trees of these African-Americans that he's saying, hey, look, they got guys on my staff who I feel like <clears throat> uh, should be head coaches. I feel like he probably could have done better for his cause while being a head coach in the NFL and mm-hmm. him being and and him getting down here with this lawsuit before being able to take on another head coaching job, I think it's all going to go away just like the Kaepernick stuff did eventually, but in this case, probably quicker. Um, me and Sean talked about it earlier. This isn't um, this isn't a situation that's going to be resolved by a quarterback not you know, a quarterback kneeling or a coach suing the NFL. This is something that's not going to change until (laughs) the highest of the high, which is ownership, becomes diverse. And it's so hard for that to happen because you have white owners in place who are just going to continue giving their um, stakes in these teams down to their children and their children. And that way it'll never become diverse. And as long as it's not, white people are going to hire white people, basically. Um, once again, you have your allies, you have the Roonies who have always, you know, been, you know, Mike Tomlin is the only black coach in the NFL right now. He's been there, what, 15 years at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but that's rarely the case. So yeah, there are the outliers. It's probably two or three, but for the most part, we're going to go back. I mean, the NFL is a, a white league at the top and a black league at the bottom. And that's how it's going to stay. Um, depressing way to end the show, man. Yeah, <laughs> we're not gonna end it quite yet, then. Um, Sean, I we want to talk about the Detroit Lions, uh, <laughs> and I don't, yeah, we didn't talk on air at all throughout the season about the team or the hopes for the team or anything like that. But now the season's over, you can look back and reflect, and also, how do you feel about? Once again, your former quarterback and um, the revelation that the rest of the world is having uh, looking at a quarterback who's been the same 
for his whole career, who's always been there? Well, I want to start with Stafford just because uh, I I hear a lot of, not a lot, actually. Uh, just, you know, it, I, it feels like it's about 70% us rooting for him, 30% uh, people not. Um, and I, I'm definitely in the majority. Um, I've always kind of liked the Rams anyway. Um, and, and like I told you, when the trade happened, worst case scenario, they get the 32nd pick. I mean, is yeah. is 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 twenty five that much worse than than thirty? I mean, than, that much better than thirty second? Like, it, I don't think it's gonna make that dramatic a difference. But um, so I was never rooting against the Rams, but I also kind of I have always liked the Rams, and so I'm happy for him, man. I'm I I want him to win the whole thing. I I thought they were going to win the whole thing when they got him. Um, so I he done right by the organization when he left. Uh, we done right by him. So it. It's, it was perfect for both teams. And I was saying before he got traded that it was time. It was time for both teams to, I mean, both parties to go to separate ways. As far as the Lions, which I'm going to try to make it quick because not a lot of people care. Uh, I'm excited about going into the offseason as the, the division around us becomes worse. Um, I feel like Dan Campbell's built some momentum. Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, remember I told you that Matt Patricia and Dan Quinn done so much damage to the culture for the team that that uh, Dan Campbell's just seemed to be something that was a fresh start, something that somebody that people wanted to play for, somebody who was good with the media, just somebody different that that could bring life back to the organization. But on <clears throat> top of that, now it kind of looks like he can coach too. So you know what I mean. Um, so that's exciting. Um, they got a lot of good draft picks. Um, like I said, five in the first 100. Um, so that's ex- that's exciting. Um, Amara St. Brown, good. Uh, Jared Goff seems to be going to be the quarterback at least for next season. Yeah. And I, again, as the season went on, I'm fine with it because you know you put more people around him. He's somebody that needs help. He needs he needs help. But again, like I, I keep saying, bro, at times you can really see, oh, that's why he was the number one pick. You know what I mean? But but it he he makes mistakes, yeah. But you got to take the good with the bad because again, every most teams in the quarter in the league are looking for a quarterback. So I think he's going to be the quarterback next year. The defense got better. I'm hoping to hold on to Aaron Glenn as the D coordinator. Um, and I keep telling you, with every passing day, I keep feeling like. This team is going to be good next year. I, I think they're going to finally be good, and I feel like that for the first time in three years. And the division, like that, that gives you optimism too, because you're looking at an NFC North that might be without Aaron Rodgers going forward. You mm-hmm. got Chicago, who seems like they've been in a rebuild for about seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you got Minnesota, who may be going into some sort of a rebuild now that they're going with a new head coach as well. Um, once again, I, I pay close attention to Detroit just because you're a Detroit fan. So when I, I look at some of that young talent, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could definitely see that if this gets figured out and that gets figured out, how they can really compete. But mm-hmm. as your division gets worse, like you said, that's just even more – of a reason to be optimistic about the future. Yeah. Um, so last thing, Tom Brady retired finally, officially. That's was anybody surprised by it here? 
Because I know that some people were just because of how well he still was playing football. Even, you know, even going on the division around, he led the league in a lot of his passing, in a lot of past statistics this season. It still looked like he could go another year at least. Um, I wouldn't say that I was surprised by it. Um, like you said, I thought he was still playing at a high level. Um, I just, it, when he, when it was official, I ran to TV um, just because I've not known NFL without him being a quarterback. And yeah. so it's just going to be different. Like, I, it's just, he's one, he's, no matter where you place him, he's one of the best in the history of not only the NFL, but sports. And yeah. so you just, you want to kind of take that all in because you got to live through that. And so um, that's how I felt about it. I wasn't completely surprised. Um, I mean, he's at a point in his career where there's nothing more he can do or or not do that would damage his legacy or whatnot. Um, he played phenomenal uh, this year to me, 40 touchdowns, over 5,000 yards passing. And to me, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, you know, the defense was bad, but I honestly thought if he had his weapons, he possibly could have beat the Rams. Uh, at least gave them a, a closer game than what it was early. But uh, we definitely lost um, uh, NFL legend. Um, I think he's the best quarterback to ever do it, and uh, he'll be missed. Yeah, to me, Tom Brady is the GOAT. Um, and more more than anything, like, once again, I'm – 30 years old. So when you look up and you see Sean Payton, I'm like, for 15 years, for half of my life, he's been the coach of my favorite team. Uh, just like Sean said, there hasn't been an NFL that I've known that Tom Brady wasn't out here quarterbacking. But even even more so, it's the, it's the changing of a guard now because he's the last one. You know, it was Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, Big Ben. He's the last one. They're all gone now. Yep. Now it's, and that's huge to me. But we're in a position where we're looking at who the top guys are going forward, and you feel good about that too because you say, man, Patrick Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, that other short guy in Arizona. So those <laughs> – looking forward – Why you do my boy like that? Looking forward to those guys going forward are exciting, but this is, this is definitely closing the chapter on – the NFL we've always known. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great show today. We talk a lot, so I know that this went long. <laughs> um, but great to have Sean in to talk football. It's been what well, to talk, yeah, talk football because we didn't talk anything else. But to talk uh, sports in general, it's always great to have you on, bro. You welcome anytime. Uh, great conversation, bro. Uh, next week we'll get on here. We'll talk about the Super Bowl. We'll make our Super Bowl picks. Uh, which I feel like isn't going to be shocking to anybody which way we leaning. Um, so looking forward to that. Hopefully the New Orleans Saints have a head coach by then so we can talk about that a little bit too. And then we got to start switching our attention to basketball here soon. It's that time. Yeah. Appreciate you for joining us, Sean. No problem. All right, man. Good show, Sid. Y'all have a good one, bro. I'm in the league, you boys not in my league no. If you listen close, I'm coaching, say keys Cause a boy hella dope without pushing a Blanco Still stabbing bitches like 94 in the Bronco If it's about the money, I'm leaving them hoes pronto If I don't do nothing, I'm about Lonzo Every time I do it, do it the coldest 